Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. All right. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Zach Arsketing coming back with you live from North Carolina, chilly North Carolina, surprisingly, in August. And today we want to raise up a song of victory, the song of victory that the Lord gives us. And it's good to see Miss Karen back. She had some eye surgeries. I had those as well. You know what you went through. Um, but glad to see you're back with us, standing on the wall. To those who have joined us all across this great country, across this great land, standing and praying for the office of the president. And today we want to really go deep on a few issues and not too wide here. And we want to start off in Psalms 98 of going through David here, uh, of a call to praise the Lord for his righteousness and, and give us a good perspective on some things here today. And uh, yes, we have some primaries. We'll go over some news here today of some things that uh, some people are letting us know about across this country. So first, let's start off in Scripture. So we see here in Psalms 98, I just want to read this, and, and it gives us quite a perspective of some of the things that uh, something the church and some of the prophetic movement have been going after, and I think this can help give us a perspective on this. And so verse 1 starts out and says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for the Lord. And it, the New American Standard gives a, a, an alternative of accomplishes salvation. The victory there is, is salvation. And the Lord has made known his salvation, as it says there. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his loving kindness and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. That's, that's important there. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre. With the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, shout joyfully before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And that verse there. He is coming to judge the earth. It does not talk about everybody just being taken away and out of this world and, and being taken away from the calamity that's coming. It is the Lord's coming to judge. And there are those rivers, streams, different ministries. Uh, some people have, uh, John, uh, Paul Cain talked about uh, the different movements within the body of Christ. will celebrate, come together in unity. And that's a, that's a positive note there. Um, and Chuck points out here is the prayer point for this is, is to, number one, worship in a new way, but ultimately as we worship, 
Allow the Lord to raise up a song of victory in us, a song of knowing that the injustices that are happening in this world and not look like they're not being dealt with right now, at the end of the day, we've talked about it before, is the eternal, the eternal perspective is that eventually the Lord will come. He will bring down his righteous judgments. And, and, and we need to be careful about what we ask for there because we could get caught up in that um, with our issues and not repenting for our issues there as well, not being obedient to what the Lord has, not having that fear of the Lord and walking out what he says for our individual lives. So we want to continue to stay focused. And in this, this season that if you allow the weight of the world, the weight of the situation to weigh you down, you can get caught up in, in that stream of being caught up in the, the negativity. But if we focus on the Lord of, okay, Lord, you're helping us provide for our needs, or you're helping us be in a place of peace to guide us into the season ahead, not only individually, but for our cities, our states, and our nations. Okay, so I want to go through a few things here today that have kind of been um, going on. We've been paying attention to it here. We want to continue to pay attention to it. Um, I do want to say first, the, the Mar-a-Lago raid issue, I'm not going to spend too much time on it here today. There's a few things I want to say. Because I think the mass amount of media is so focused on it, I don't want to get distracted by that and get caught up in it. We want to make sure that we're focused on what is going on elsewhere, not be distracted by this one particular thing. Because at the end of the day, it's going to play out in courts. And in the court system, the way things are have played out in the past with similar issues like this with the DOJ and FBI, is it doesn't bode well for the DOJ or FBI based upon what is known right now. Um, and so it's it's got a long way to go. Um, obviously, their goal is to take out Trump. We understand that. And at the end of the day, we just want his true justice to come out on this situation. Um, and in ca past cases, both Republican and Democrat, conservative and liberal judges uh, have sided against the FBI and DOJ on, on these type of issues. So uh, I don't want to sit here and waste our time on this. But we have some interesting news coming out of the Iran nuclear deal talks where Iran has sent a we, – we talked about how – the negotiations with the EU kind of put a deadline on some things with the with Iran, and Iran has given their response to this. And I want to go through this because this is very interesting here. And it shows that the EU, the United States, and all these other countries really have no power um, and no leverage, no position of strength in these negotiations. Um, so I, I want to re go through a couple – a few of these paragraphs where the Iranian foreign minister, Hassan Amir Ab Abdullahan, um, said his country had hoped to share its final thoughts with European officials by the end of, of yesterday. And supposedly they got the um, that negotiation talks to each other at the end of yesterday on Monday. Um, so, the, But the idea for Iran is they want to get back into the to the deal. They want to revive it. You know, we're talking about revival for the Lord. They're also wanting to revive these things um, that have shown to be just utterly disastrous and, and unnatural. And ultimately that it's it's most likely going to go on forward. 
But um, here's what is known now. From This is from Politico. European officials have said this, is that the response from Iran is mostly focused on uh, the outstanding question related to sanctions and guarantees around economic engagement, meaning they're only focused on money. The only reason for Iran to get back into this deal is so that they can remove the roadblocks, supposedly, um, that have been put on the, or that have been put on them by the Trump administration, and that are still kind of into effect, but not fully, as the Biden administration is not fully upholding them. And over the last few months, Iran has continuously demanded assurances that it will be able to reap the economic benefits of a restored deal. That's their focus: the money. Now, they don't have to get back into this deal because they're making a, a waffling killing um, dealing with Russia and China. And this is the this is the important point here as well. If you remember, the original negotiations was around getting a response from Iran on the International Atomic Energy Agency's investigation of high volumes of, of uranium found in Iran several months ago. And they wanted a response to, from Iran to know what's happening here. Here's here's the response. It is According to the same officials, the Iranian reply does not contain any further demands with regard to the investigation by the IAEA into the origins of multiple traces of nuclear material that the IAEA inspectors found at various sites in Iran during the past few years, basically meaning they're not saying anything. Ultimately, Tehran has objected to the investigation and insists that the nuclear deal can only be restored if this probe by the EA, IAEA is closed once and for all. Meaning, yeah, we're not talking about that. You need to go ahead and shut that down. And uh, we just want to get back into this for economic reasons. That sounds like a great negotiation going on right there. And I'm being very, very facetious. And ultimately, um, it talks about here, the, EA, the EU has drafted a proposal that will allow that to happen if the IAEA confirms that Iran has provided credible answers into the origin of the uranium traces prior to the so-called uh, re-implementation date, the day that the nuclear deal will go back into effect. Um, but also, it the proposal would also enable Iran to block re-implementation re day should the probe remain open. Like, oh, we, we want to hold you accountable, but not really. But the whole point of the Iran nuclear deal was supposedly to hold Iran accountable to make sure that they didn't enrich uranium past 3% point. They're already at 90%. So this is very, very problematic. And in, in this instance, because our administration is involved in this, we, just, we want to repent for the Biden admin's involvement in the process to revive the Iran nuclear deal. And pray that somebody in the White House would wake up and have the fear of the Lord on this issue uh, and understand getting back into this deal would be detrimental to the safety of not only Israel, the United States, but the rest of the world. As you're seeing more, especially in Israel, terrorist activity um, come along and increase ever since the Biden administration came back into play of pulling away from holding Iran accountable for its actions economically, and then also funding the PLO. Now, back on the home front, um, one key thing I want to point out through this, we, we saw last week, uh, and, and this is in regards to the, the Mar-a-Lago raid. We saw last week Mayor Garland come out and give his speech. I personally signed this, and, and I've we've submitted uh, uh, filings to have a judge unseal 
the affidavit and everything involved. And supposedly he did. Well, the Department of Justice said on Monday that they had asked or it came out reporting that from the New York Times that the Justice Department opposes the affidavit release, fearing, quote unquote, it will chill the inquiry, meaning they want to keep what's going on behind closed doors. Because when things get out of public, they're getting raked over the coals because people understand the the lack of authority that the number one they have involved in this issue and all that. And I, again, I say this is today, this is, that's all I want to talk about. This is, you know, the DOJ is Merrick Garland's. We want to comply in front of the camera in public. They're saying the right, supposedly saying the right things, but behind closed doors, here's what they're doing. Nah, we don't really want to do that. Nah, we don't really want this getting out because what is getting out is not in favor of them. And Trump's doing a good job of just blasting them. That's why they want to keep them silent. Um, and at the end of the day, this is going to go to the court systems. And as I've said before, does not bode well for the DOJ or the FBI. Uh, some good analysis on this. Um, if you're like in desperate need of some information on this, uh, I, I would say go listen to Clay and Buck show. They YouTube wherever they're at on radio because they have a decent relationship with the Trump team. And I'm not saying they're perfect, they're biased and they're open about their biases, but they're looking at this objectively as both have been involved in these type of cases. Clay Travis, a former prosecutor, lawyer, and then um, Buck Sexton, uh, someone who worked in the CIA. So there's that. Now, today, the focus of the administration is on signing the Inflation Reduction Act, which have a host of, uh, of major, major key problems in it. And I want to go through a few points on this that the White House put out of, quote unquote, by the numbers. Um, some things that I've been studying that I know through just life uh, uh, of some of the things that I'm dealing with is this clean energy focus. So um, just a personal perspective that'll help under help you understand this is, is you know, some people are looking for cars, and I'm one of those people. So I've been looking at cars, trying to see what the issue, you know, pricing is, trying to, you know, make sure I'm not overspending. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And it looks like I'm not going to going to continue to wait because of this bill. And I want to get to the, the point here that I was focusing in on is the fact that these quote unquote lower energy costs here. We have to talk about this to understand the realities of these type of decisions. Um, and the first one being this idea of this up to $7,500 in tax credits for new electric vehicles and $4,000 for used vehicles is, okay, the government's doing this. This looks great. But here's the reality of the facts on the ground is that while the government's doing this, potentially doing this, you have automakers like Ford specifically who have come out and raised the prices of their vehicles by magically that same amount. So not only are car prices at their highest, they're raising them even higher, which this goes straight to the manufacturer, that same exact amount. So that tax credit that you're getting is just going to cover that increase in prices if you're even able to get it. Um, just throwing that out there. This is the reality of the situation. And then they talk about putting Americans back on track um, to meet President Biden's climate goals, which will save American 
every American family on average of $500 per year. Well, what about the fact of the raise in energy prices? I digress there. Going back to the $7,500 credit is it says helping families save $950 per year if, if they use the tax credit, if they go towards electric vehicles. Um, just a lot of bloated uh, government jargon there and, 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 and legal jargon is more, more of a better way to say it. Then they talk about building a clean ener energy economy, which have shown to not – this does not fully answer the, the question of is it even sustainable and does it even provide all the energy needs that we really need. Um, talk about reducing pollution, even though America is one of the best pollutants. You have to look at China and India of if you're going down this road, if you're really trying to combat this, and these are the things you're dealing with. And then kind of a key point here of they really – they're really showing their colors here on how just – misguided these quote-unquote taxes are. So they say they want to make the tax code fairer. These two points I want to point out. They say zero dollars. How much some of the largest profitable corporations pay excuse me, in federal income tax. Okay, what? how many of those companies do that? Then they say 55. The number of America's largest wealthiest corporations that got away without paying a cent in federal income taxes in 2020. So you're saying some of the largest corporations, and then you say the exact number of 55. So 55 corporations in America got away with paying zero income tax. Now, let's look, go look at their, their accounting records and say, well, what happened in those, those years? Did they take a loss? Did they use the tax code that government officials put into place that allowed them to not pay any taxes? If you're, if you're mad that they're not paying any taxes, why don't you go back and look at the tax code? Like there's, there's a lot of ways to look at this, um, and this is on both sides. Then they go on to say that $160 billion is how much the top 1% of earners is estimated to evade in each year in taxes. So they're telling you each year they're going to go after $160 billion, supposedly. If everything goes as planned, they don't go after Americans making under $400,000. $160 billion is what they're, they're going to focus on. Let's, let's look at the national debt here. The national debt, this number right here in the top left, $30,651,111,000,000 and climbing. So $30 trillion and climbing is what they're going after. And they're focused on $160 billion. Yeah, every, every dollar counts. But at the end of the day is, is we have a spending problem. We don't have a revenue problem. Um, as they're trying to put it in accounting terms. Um, the 50% corporate tax, supposedly saving um, people $124 billion over the next couple of years, et cetera. And then again, we, we've talked about this claim. This is a disastrous claim for them to even say. And no family making less than $400,000 will see their taxes go up a penny. So if one person making under $400,000 sees their taxes go up one penny, this is proven to be a lie. The burden of proof is highly, highly, highly not in the favor of this bill and this administration. And, and to note, Steve Scalise came out on the floor um, several days ago and talked about how at the time of the voting of the bill, the CBO had not done its analysis on this bill. Very, very problematic. Now, last portion of this, this is from straight from the White House. They talk about reducing the deficit. This is hilarious um, in intellectual terms. The Inflation 
Act will achieve hundreds of billions of dollars in deficit reduction, even though it's raising its revenues by taxing people more to cover for the cost of this. It's just mind-boggling. This, this line right here is just, this shows how misguided this administration is. And I want to point this out. Because Republicans and Democrats alike need to understand the realities of what this administration thinks that they're doing. They're saying the deficit is projected to fall more than $1.5 trillion this year. So, and they're saying that this bill does this. This bill hasn't even gone into effect. This bill takes over a year to go into effect. Some of these things that, that are in this bill take two, three years to go into effect. So you're saying next year alone that it's going to reduce one the deficit $1.5 and And then here's the key kicker here. This is, and after this year, current past, or this last year, it fell by more than $350 billion. So a bill that hasn't even gone into effect yet, that the president hasn't even signed yet, he's going to sign it today, supposedly. It's a big ceremony. After he gets back from vacation, that he just got back from vacation on. It decreased the deficit by $350 billion. What this tells you right here, these two lines, tells you that the moves and the policy decisions and cutting and spending that the Trump administration did last year cut the deficit by $350 billion, and this year cut it by $1.5 trillion. And the Biden administration is claiming we did that. You have to go back years to see the ramifications of their decisions. And the next couple of years and the years after that, we'll see what the reality of the decisions being made by this current administration actually has an effect on this country. Then they're talking about how 126 economists, including all these people, have said reducing the deficit will help fight inflation and support strong, stable economic growth. That's people, Republicans and, and some Democrats alike have been saying this for 30 years. This is not a, a, a secret here. Um, and the realities of pointing this out is to understand the ramifications of these decisions being put forward by this administration, Democrats and Republicans as well, for not having a single plan in place to combat these ideologies which allowed this to be put in place, which is why Joe Manchin for two years now has been only negotiating with Democrats because they're the only ones who have a plan that they're putting forward to try to get passed. Both sides need to do something moving forward. And I say all that to say is um, if you know Rick Joyner, he has the Oak Initiative, and he sent out an email yesterday, and I want to read portions of this because he – make sure I can pull it up. He had a, a good analysis here that we can look at to understand – our decision moving forward about what we can can do in this situation to hopefully really understand the decision that is before us. And what I mean is, is that, look, sometimes we have to make decisions that aren't necessarily the best, that, but in the future will put us in a, in a situation to again, in the future, be able to have a decision to help us get to where we need to go in the right place. And, and you saw that at the founding of our nation where, unfortunately, they had to allow slavery to go forward, but it put themselves in a situation 
to be able to eventually pull that back. And so I'm trying to pull it up here. Um, okay, here we go. So I want to read this. I'll put, uh, I can't really put a link to this because it's an email he sent out. Um, but he said this, he said, as I predicted, and he's talking about, if you've, you've heard him speak recently, he's talking about this new Mark Nuttall uh, Barna study where they're looking at a survey and going through it of where the country really lies in finding that they don't look towards a Democrat. They obviously are, everybody in America is running away from these leftist policies, but they're not necessarily going into the the closed arms of the Republican Party because they don't like either party right now. And he talks about this in his book, The Harvest, which he had a, a prophetic encounter in 1987 that he wrote this about. And, and, and this is where I've been getting this from, this book. But he says this. He says, as I predicted a couple of decades ago, every election going forward will be more critical than the previous one. This has to be proven true. It is our basic right and duty as citizens to vote. To not vote is a vote. Regardless of how bad the voter fraud is, that makes it even more important to do our duty to vote. The time is coming when we will not want to have to admit that we did not vote in an election we could have. Though we never demean the importance of the elections while being rightly engaged as is our duty as citizens, we have a much greater hope than in politics, politicians, Washington, or any other worldly power center. The reason for virtually every crisis the world is facing is from us trying to do things without God. I think that's a good perspective. The answer to going through them is we must turn back to him and follow him, but that does not mean that we do not vote. Personally, this is him personally, he's saying, I will likely vote straight Republican in the upcoming elections as I think the Democratic Party has degenerated into an extreme madness that it now sides with almost everything the Lord in his word called evil. The quote-unquote quote wokeness they now promote is a level of spiritual, moral, and political depravity not seen since the days of Noah. The Republican Party claims to be conservative, but with the exception of a few, has proven to lack the courage to stand for what they believe, and that's true. So it is understandable that so many Republicans are fed up with their own party, and so many Americans are fed up with both political parties. Even so, we may have to hold our noses while voting for the lesser of two evils, but that is still voting for less evil. To do nothing is to do something. And not voting is also voting. Non-participation in elections is not a moral option. And there are a lot of Christians in particular who think that, well, I just can't vote for either party because I can't stand for either of them. I have family members who told me that. Um, and that's very sad to see. He ultimately says this. He says, a third column will emerge and begin and begins to restore the restore the country to its constitutional foundations. I think that's a typo. Where there truly is liberty and justice for all. We must never give up on this vision of our ultimate purpose as a nation. Even more importantly, we as Christians must become the holy nation we are called to be in order to have the wisdom to be the salt and light we were called to be. 
And then he goes on to talk about how they're going to uncover um, more of the finding. They're going to go through this study and look at more and more of it that Mark Nuttall and the Barna Institute have gone forward. And I say that as today we have our primaries, as we're getting closer towards, as Wyoming has their primaries, Alaska, as we grow closer towards the day where, as he says here, it's going to be an embarrassment to say we didn't vote. Look at Kansas. It is an embarrassment upon every believer who did not vote in the primary to solidify within their state the right to life at their amendment to protect the innocent children. You know, we're, we're crying about this injustice from the, the DOJ and the FBI. What about the injustice of the believers for not standing up for the voiceless? in this season, when they had a vote and they have a choice. Well, there's just the evil powers that be. Look at our own hearts. Stop looking at the plank, the, the speck in somebody else's eye and look at the plank in our own. We have a decision, we have action that the Lord has, as it works with faith that the Lord has allowed us to take. And if we're not going to have faith with works and walk out our salvation, and walk out the duty that the Lord has given us in this nation, that countries around the world and people around the world are literally walking 10,000 miles to get here, crossing oceans, getting here illegally to come into this nation because they think that this is the only opportunity that they have for prosperity. But in past, it's the only opportunity for them to have some freedoms. How our brothers and sisters in China and the Middle East, believers in Christ, would die to be able to have the freedom to stand up and worship the Lord of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords here in this nation. And then lastly, before moving on, I want to end on a very, very, very positive note. Even with all the issues that be with the um, FBI and DOJ, there's actually something that's good that they're doing. Is there's this operation that they have called Operation Cross Country, where they have been finding and rescuing um, adult victims of human trafficking and minor victims of sex trafficking and sexual exploitations. And they've been coming up with more and more of this. And, and this was really highlighted under the Trump administration when they put more effort into this. This is a great thing to celebrate as more and more news of this is coming out. And, and this is a reason to pray for not only leaders, but voters, but the state of the church our children and our neighborhoods and, and interact and be that salt and light of the earth to, if we look at this as the depravity that is here in this nation, that as in the days of Noah, it is, it is more of a time for us to intercede, for us to get back to the foundations of the kingdom principles here in this nation um, as a need, but this is a great positive news that some of this stuff is being uncovered and it's happening here. This is third world country type stuff happening here in our land. Um, and a reason to never forget to not give up. It is new keys to new victory here in the season ahead and praying and praising for the Lord now and in the days ahead. And so we just want to continue to intercede for the voters to, base, to vote based upon biblical moral values um, in the primaries and in the midterms as we get closer to that as today is a very key day in Wyoming and Alaska. So blessings to each and every one of you for following along. Don't forget we have our new prayer today at Christian Center Shreveport for those who would like to join in. If not, 
your online as well and you can watch via replay and i'll be back here tomorrow as well continuing on um, our journey of standing and praying for not only this nation uh, but the office of the president to reach the destiny of spreading the gospel of the kingdom to the nations blessings and i'll see you guys later have a good one